Welcome to the Changemakers in CRE, a podcast by Realist. We're bringing you the stories and the people driving change and innovation in the commercial real estate industry. You're about to hear from a changemaker as they share what went right, what went wrong, what they've learned along the way, and what's next. So tune in and join us as we uncover what the future will look like for commercial real estate. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Changemakers in CRE. My name is Tom Wallace. I'm the founder and CEO of Released. And today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Aviva Sonnenrich who, from the Warehouse Hotline. Welcome along, Aviva. Nice to have you here. Thank you, Tom. I, I really appreciate you all reaching out and I'm excited to chat with you. I'm a little bit starstruck. I know you, you've got a, a huge amount of followers on social media and you're an expert at this sort of things. Should be a great chat. Do you want to just kick us off by telling me or telling us about Warehouse Hotlines, the thinking behind it, how you got started, and just a bit about yourself? That'd be great. Sure. I have a company here in Denver, Colorado called the Warehouse Hotline. It is the world's only warehouse exclusive brokerage. I realized recently that commercial real estate has little to no branding on a good day. And, um, in a sea of companies that are people's last names with color schemes, I realized that a brand might be a really strong differentiator on the business side, which it has been. I can't think of one. I'm just trying to think if there's one other example. I can't think of one other example. That's not a last name right now. It's a, the commercial industry, commercial real estate is pretty antiquated from top to bottom. And so I really enjoy exploring where I can literally break boundaries and then rebuild something that works better for modern day times because the way commercial real estate was found, it's a different world than the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, even 2010, it's a different world. It's fun to push our industry and see what we can do with it. Yeah, 100%. So you think that, and obviously building the business on the fact that it's moving away from long lunches and relationships and just <laughs> perhaps over whiskey and actually building into like building a brand and being known for that, being known for something and standing out. Just can you tell us about, I guess, some of the impact or the outputs you're seeing from taking a different approach? Sure. It's just been overwhelming when it comes to online leads. I used to run my company with Google ads and it was just my last name and it worked, but organic ads were virtually non-existent. And then I noticed when I put exactly what we did in the title of the company, people understood exact understood it a lot better. And as a result, organic growth has been significant. Yeah. It must be a nice feeling to, uh, to be able to not be handcuffed or be able to wean yourself off the paid advertising of Google and perhaps Facebook, because I kind of think of them as like the world's biggest landlords now, basically, like they control the domain. They're, they're the landlords of the internet, but they're way better at pricing than a typical like landlord or like a property landlord because they know exactly how much it's worth to you and they'll charge you just up into the amount that you can't afford to pay it anymore. And they'll just do that on, on mass. Like it must be very liberating to be away from that. Oh, yeah. Hey, it, there, there's a time and a place for everything. And advertising is a powerful, powerful tool. And I'm still learning. I by no means feel like I have even touched the tip of the iceberg. I really feel like our industry as a whole has no idea of the power of the internet. 
And so I'm just excited to start exploring it. Yeah. And I think you've obviously, you say warehouse hotline, you've obviously um, chosen a niche or a niche, depending on who's, who's listening and how we want to pronounce it. And if commercial real estate is antiquated, I think industrial and warehousing is probably right at the bottom end of that scale. Why choose that sector? What was it about that that attracted you to the industry there? Sure. My grandparents came to America in 1950, fleeing Nazi Germany. And they, aside from, this is a true immigrant story, working endlessly, saving. About 20 years in, they bought their first property. It was a duplex. They lived on one side. A very typical immigrant story. And my grandparents went on to have a a really nice career in residential real estate and hospitality through owning motels. And what my dad realized having parents in this residential factor was residential sector was that it was 24-7. And he my dad would always say every night at dinner, the landline would ring. And his dad would pick up the phone and walk out the door. Showers broken or taps leaking or something along those lines. Or, yeah, it could, anything. Yeah. Anything. And my dad went on to start working in commercial real estate, specifically with warehouses. Prior to 2010, where we live in Denver, Colorado, warehouses were really a, not a glamorous product type. They were the butt end of real estate but in 2010, Colorado became the first state to legally, to legally, no, to recreationally legalize marijuana. Yep. And the dynamic of our warehouse industry changed literally overnight. But then following the cannabis industry was the e-commerce industry and a user, user habits have changed so significantly, even from the beginning of 2020 until now, May of 2022, that warehouses have become this glamorized product type that people need more and more. Investors are realizing maybe their A-class office might not actually be as good as an investment as a C-class warehouse. I really honestly like This is, I wish I had a story where I came up with this whole thing myself, but my old man's been involved with warehousing in Denver since the 80s. And in working with him for the past seven or so years, realized I really like, I love it. And leaning into the niche of warehousing is where I decided to take us. That's great. Well, what I love about that though, is that you you took the platform from your grandparents and your parents and you put your distinct personal spin on it, I think, which we'll jump into as well. You've actually taken something and grown it to something completely new, which is, I think, really inspirational. I, I really love that. And incredibly interesting story. I actually forgot about the the cannabis industry that, that came up in Colorado. I remember when we have an office there and when we when I first drove in from the airport, you could you could almost smell it down the freeway with all those big <laughs> like coming through with all the um different warehouses that line the freeway and from from the airport. But it has, I noticed it changed again. I was there last week and it's changed again. As has a lot of industrial warehousing in the last few years with the rise in delivery and the, the COVID shift that's happened there. But anyway, I would like to jump into the next thing. This is in terms of, obviously you've got, you've got a great brand, you've, you've got your name out there, but one way that you're pushing yourself, which is totally unique from, from anything I've seen before is, is on TikTok and social media. And you have over a million followers on TikTok which is a huge number. Uh, it's actually, 
it, it just so happens to be significantly higher than the number of people that listen to this podcast. A little fun fact. But could you just tell us around how you got into that and um, like, you know, yeah, why TikTok and what that means to you and how you create content? It's just, I think it's super interesting to explore that. Sure. Yeah. Um, in a- I love me. If I weren't in commercial real estate, I would be a marketer. I love marketer. I love media. I'm just fortunate that I can combine my two passions and put them together and maybe close the deal once in a while. But in March of 2020, the phone stopped ringing like completely. And I'm just a hyper person. I needed something to do. And I, I have a very, very adorable one-eyed cat who was a kitten at the time. And I started making TikToks about the cat, learning the learning the algorithm, learning the platform. And uh, the cat's name, is it something to do with having one eye or is it just a regular name? It's Henry with an eye. Okay. Anyway, it's Henry. One eye. Yeah. <laughs> but I had a friend after a few months of like just really playing with and practicing with the platform. I had a friend call me and say, what are you doing? There's so much competition with a cat wherein you, you, with your profession, you have zero competition. And that's when the light bulb went off and I started talking about real estate on TikTok. And what I realized really fast was that people want to learn about this on the internet, but Real estate in general and commercial real estate specifically is just such a gate kept industry. There isn't a lot of good information about it on the internet. Podcasts like these are amazing if and when people find it, but it's these, these multi-trillion dollar industries are very, very much lacking when it comes to uh, consumable content and benefited on the secrets and, and being opaque for, for many decades. Correct. Absolutely. And unfortunately for those who've been benefiting from it, which isn't far off from my family has been, but the reality of the internet is that somebody is going to break down the barriers and, and it's not just going to be one, one person. It'll be many. And I'd like to be hand in hand with those people because that's the reality of the internet and what it does for us. That's fantastic. Could you run me through like for those, I imagine actually like there's a million people that follow you, but I imagine there's a few people on this listening to on the podcast that don't know anything about TikTok or haven't seen your videos yet. Can you run me through like typically what's, what's the sort of, what's the length of a video? What's the sort of content you cover? Like how do you make it engaging? Love to know a bit more about that. Sure. A TikTok video is anywhere from five seconds to three minutes. And Creating a TikTok is all about keeping your viewer watching and engaged the entire time. And the funny thing about TikTok is that what I just said, right? The point of the TikTok is to keep the viewer engaged and watching. It is absolutely no different than any other platform. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. These are platforms where algorithmically... If they, if the algorithm notices one people, not one, multiple people are staying on a post for a longer period of time or engaging with a post for a longer period of time, it's going to push that post's visibility. Why? Because people like it. And that's why people are on these platforms is 
to see content that they want to consume. The point of a TikTok is to create an engaging piece of content that keeps people involved and watching. And while there is a learning curve, the platform is just an incredible way to spread awareness and meet people. These apps are actually geolocal. I post a TikTok and the first group of people who see it are in my city. And and then it goes out from there. And uh, I have met so many incredible brokers, owners, anybody with any real estate problem you could imagine I've talked to. And there's just, there's a vast world of people out there who could be your potential next deal, next client, next partner, and a, a platform that's so widely adapted like uh, TikTok is an amazing vessel to to get you there. The the reach is is unthinkable, really. Like if you're thinking about what would have been before the the advertising or the brand building that would have been before, which would have you know perhaps been an ad on a bus or a, like a, a billboard somewhere or, or like a little little thing in the local newspaper. Like you might reach tens of thousands of people, thousands, tens of thousands, maybe, but hundreds of thousands or millions is like it's it's in a different league. It's not the same thing. And, and it's, I imagine that this is still re- really at the leading edge, but I imagine people will see your success and be expire, inspired by that. And, and you'll probably see, I don't know, maybe you already have copycats uh, coming after you, but it's, uh, I imagine it's going to inspire a lot of people. What is that? Uh, do you have, are you happy to share? What's the, you, you've obviously, you've obviously done a lot of content now and you, you, I'm sure you're refining what, what engages with, the viewers the most what are people what is there is there a thing that they love the most that they, they'll stick around for sure people love relevant com- or any form of real estate news they really like the go- the hottest gossip on real estate news and any drop they also like like relevant tips while we transact commercial real estate i do recognize that uh, a majority of the people consuming our content, they're impacted by real estate, but they're more impacted by residential real estate. I, I do a lot of tip leasing tips, buying tips that can be useful in a residential setting, but also useful in a commercial setting because I want to help as many people as possible. And And the crazy thing is, is Things that you and I might know because we transact real estate daily, people have no idea. Like there's there's no manual, there's no book, and people and commercial, you, like you don't unless you're in it day to day. If you're a tenant or even sometimes a, a passive owner, right? You you're only going to do certain things. You're only going to sign a lease once every few years. But you're only going to do a renewal, or it's like how are you going to be as skilled? And it leaves yourself open to someone who knows the tricks on the other side to, to take advantage of that, right? It's, yeah, that's Sure. And these are some of the, when you're buying a property, when you're le- signing a lease, these are some of the biggest, tra- these, if not the biggest transaction you're agreeing to in your life so far. Like you, you need to know what you're, what you're doing, what you're signing. And I, most people don't. I say that about 85% of the people I deal with do not read their leases and that is an issue. <laughs> you yeah, should always read your lease. <laughs> Take one thing away from today would be read the lease. A very good tip. And just on that, why do you sort of run any other platforms as well? Like I think most people would be familiar on uh, listening here with probably LinkedIn would be the furthest I would go. And actually I've seen a lot more of this 
uh, like sort of tip style things come through on Twitter. Actually, I, I don't know if you use Twitter, but there was a I follow um, one person on there, one profile called Strip Mall Guy. I don't know if you've seen um, him. It's an anonymous one, but just I just think the little tips and inciting traders tips he puts in there are fascinating that I would never have thought like a lot of them I've never thought of. But have you seen Strip? Have you seen that one, Strip Mall Guy? It's worth checking out. As, as again, another niche or niche, but it's incredible information he shares on that. I haven't. I Twitter is. I, I need to explore the commercial space on Twitter more. Yeah, it's growing. I've noticed it in the last like year. It's actually becoming a, a thing, mostly in the US, but just in a lot of the, the lessons that you see there flow across globally. I do Instagram, Facebook. I have dreams of doing more. I know I need to. I just need an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, for the most part, it's TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, but be like a production company at some point. Need <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. Okay, and then that's, that's incredibly fascinating. It's so um, so unique, and I think, and just uh, I think, congratulations on on doing that and starting something totally new. I think it's incredible. I, I want to switch just back to just back to property and warehousing. It's obviously your the what you're the most about. Do you have any? I mean, we talked about it on here. There's been a lot of change, massive change, not just in Denver, but globally, the pandemic affected everywhere. Do you have any predictions now? It looks there's some like, if we're sort of moving past COVID, I hope we're moving past COVID. Do you have any sort of predictions to where industrial is going to go, say, over the next five years? Next five years in industrial. Mm. Well, it's already happening. When you drive along your highways, you're going to see large warehouses being built. You have a name for them, right? I've seen your name. What do you? You've got a name for those? Big sexies. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, early 2000s, smaller warehouses were built for smaller users. Small being, we'll say, a thousand square feet to seventy-five thousand square feet. The and seventy-five was big at the time. In a 2020 and beyond world. The need for these 100,000, 200, 300, 400, 500,000 to a million square foot warehouses has become has come to the forefront. You're going to see these big sexies all over your highways. And those are your Home Depots, your Costco's. These are big, big retailers who no longer need that big box retail space. They need a big warehouse. Yep. How close to the inner city do you think you'll see? And like, do you, do you actually expect to see like, I guess like small to mid ones, but like effectively right under behind the main streets somewhere just for that last mile delivery? It's, it's interesting. It depends on the city because sometimes there's, it, it really depends on the city and the way that it's laid out. Sometimes it's valuable to have them further away. Like I've heard an argument Sometimes it's better in a city that has a lot of traffic to have your big warehouses on the outskirts because it's more efficient for drivers. It's cheaper and more efficient for drivers to be further away, not dealing with the traffic yeah, rather than on the inside, on the inner city, um, sitting in it. It really just depends on. If you've got a tight, if you've got a really tight little um, narrow streets in a small city, like it's, you don't want to see big trucks rumbling through to um, you know, drop off cargo every day. Sure. And I will say something we're finding, which I am having conversations about this recently, is 
The city's industrial uses, these are not glamorous. These are heavy machinery. This is stuff we need, but it's not pretty. And as a result, we're seeing municipalities trying to eliminate this industrial ground to make their counties more beautiful. But the reality is, is we need more and more of this industrial ground. It wouldn't be the first time the government, maybe in America, wasn't quite up to par with reality, which is a huge issue that we're facing. Yeah, that, I don't know. That, that's that's probably not limited just to America. I think that's a global thing. Um, but maybe, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I guess the last thing, a trend I had heard of, and I, but I don't know if it's actually happened. I think it was more of a prediction was that shopping centers were, you know, traditionally they were, obviously people would go to those shopping centers. A lot of them are struggling. I think there's a lot of ghost shopping centers around, particularly in the United States. But they do have some qualities about them that make them good potentially for industrial because they obviously have easy to access off on-ramps and they're within driving distance of, of large metros. Have you seen anything around your area or around your state where shopping centers being repurposed for industrial? Do you think that's a trend or is that just a, a prediction that's not going to come through? Sure. In terms of like, we call that adaptive reuse, Denver's different. Denver, where I live, is a thriving thriving, growing city. And we are not seeing as many deserted shopping centers as say like the Midwest. I think they say in the Midwest, a third of shopping centers are deserted, which is like mind blowing. That's that's bizarre. You've got beautiful, I went to Cherry Creek there last week when I was there, the shopping center. It's um, probably the nicest one I've ever been to. I bought a pair of boots there and got back to New Zealand and realized they were the wrong size, but I wear them. (laughs) I have to wear them anyway. Well, I live two blocks from that mall. You need a return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay. You were in Cherry Creek last week. So you understand when I say this area is thriving and oh, yeah, it's uh, the mall is, is suffering. You might not be able to tell, but it's not what it used to be. But your local shopping mall may very well turn into your local multifamily complex. Oh, yeah. Uh, your local warehouse something like you're saying uh, a new use that is more centered towards now yeah, because it's our- be really interesting to see those transitions yeah, yeah i think that's that's the say like that's the way that real estate's always operating away right it's just like use the use changes and it adapts some of it um some of it falls away and, and it's no longer usable and has to be replaced but it's really interesting to see sort of cities and and towns adapt and thrive depending on the changing needs of the of the communities around it yeah. Hey, Aviva, thank you so much. That was uh, really interesting. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for making the time um, to speak with us and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Tom. I, I really appreciate you all reaching out and I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, or we'll share, maybe go meet you at Cherry Creek sometime. Okay, deal. <laughs> thank you. No problem. You've been listening to The Changemakers in CRE, a podcast by Released. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show and sharing the episodes you love. That helps us continue bringing you the best stories about what's next for commercial real estate. Thanks for listening.